Good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. We're on the air. Margaret Tharp and David Lender from Landscape Alaska. It's a call-in show. 907-586-1800. That will get you on, and you can ask us questions. You can share perspectives. You can invite us to see wonderful things. You can talk about what's blooming in your yard, what's growing elsewhere, what kind of problems you have, and what kind of delights you find, all that kind of stuff. Here we are on the air, ready for rock and roll, landscape design, landscape talk. Dave, could you turn my uh, headphones up a little bit? Yeah, you betcha. Okay. Good? Uh-huh, I think so. Okay, so you can hear me, though. Okay, so Landscape Alaska is our nursery business. We're on the Back Loop Road above Goat Hill. And if you uh, go to our website, you'll find a little map. And if you look on Craigslist, there's often a posting from us and also has a little map. And we're going to have the nursery open today, 10 to 4. And we have some incredibly beautiful stuff ready to go home with you. And this is a real uh, pivotal time of the year. Things are starting to do the, the move toward fall color. The fall color is just beginning to show up in things. Really beautiful. The lilies are just getting ready to bloom, you they know. It's are. still going to be 10 days or so, but they sure look good. We have several kinds of lilies, and, and they're a real favorite around southeast Alaska. Not only do they make spectacular flowers, but they come, like now, at the, at the time when not a whole lot of other stuff is coming into flower. There are plenty of things that are coming into bloom this time of year, including the dwarf monardas, which are so beautiful. I turned you on to them. That you did, and also the dwarf salvias also turned me on to them. And but I turned you on to the dwarf hydrangeas. Yes, that's true. And then there's the flocks, the yep. summer flocks. All these so things. incredible. You know, and if you look at old Juno gardens, there are clumps of perennials that are just starting to flower now that are about knee high and bright pink. And most people don't recognize what they are. They're a really, really fragrant garden perennial. And that's what Margaret was speaking of, is a pink phlox. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And fragrant, man, oh man, is it lovely. Well, you know, the weather has been a real plus and a real minus, depending on, you know, if you don't have to be out there working in the hot sun. <laughs> you can sit in your lounge chair and drink your iced tea. That's one way to enjoy the weather. But it has been magnificent for the plants growing in the garden if you've been watering them. Now, a lot of people don't water their landscapes, which, because they're not used to it, because we usually have a lot more rain than we've had this year. It's true. If you don't water it, you're likely to lose it this year. Well, I don't know, lose it, but it does degrade. It that tends to not thrive you know it's kind of things you've had for a long time rarely just drop dead they just start dwindling away it's yeah you really can in, see that on, on lots of stuff if it doesn't get regular watering it's going to go into early dormancy mm-hmm. and you can see it's already turning color like fall color uh, probably a month ahead of when it would normally do so well you know um i've been working on some commercial landscapes and I'm pretty exhausted by it, to tell you the truth, but uh, they're old landscapes, and the maple trees are really starting to show stress because they're all in these really hot locations, and nobody's watered them. They clean off their sidewalks, and they wash their windows, but nobody's watering the plants that are out in front of their buildings, and uh, the leaves are drooping and curling. Wasn't it nice to have rain last night? No. 
just loved it. Made you feel like you're uncurling your own leaves, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the thing, coming into the radio station and looking at the wetlands, it was like it was glowing. You know, the wetlands all changed to that blonde okra color in the fall, and the clouds are all the way to the water. Aren't they lovely? And the yellow of the the wetlands was just glowing. It was like uh, it was, it's like it, it was almost reflects on. back on itself. Uh-huh. It was really yes. beautiful. I thought it was absolutely lovely today. And that little bit of wind stirring the top of it and all the sedges moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like they're dancing out there. Really, really lovely. Well, I know that last weekend I said that I would have a pruning workshop tomorrow. But I'm going to put it off for another week and have it on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. And that so sounds if, good. If you're interested in that, give us a call or send us an email so we reserve you a place. Uh, LandscapeAlaska.com will get right to us. And we're going to talk about all kinds of pruning, the stuff that we do at this time of year. And we'll talk about stuff we do at other times of the year, too. But well, really, we'll focus of, on now. A lot of people who have invested in their hydrangeas will be interested to see how simple it is to prune hydrangeas. Normally, we wait until spring in case there's any winter burn back that needs to be pruned rather than doing it in the fall because they're still in bloom for so long. It's like November before they quit having their flowers. So, but if you want to learn about it now, then you'll be ready in the springtime for pruning your hydrangeas. And you, you prune them back some so that the branches stay, as your hydrangeas get bigger, the flowers get bigger. And the weight on the ends of the branches gets more increased. So by pruning it back, the branches get sturdier and stronger and can take the growth in the summertime with the bigger flowers. And a lot of the hydrangeas are only barely beginning to bloom now. And they'll be in bloom for another two months. Yes. You know, they're uh, showing the beginnings of the bloom formation and creamy colored so far. Only a barely tiny hint of pink. You know, but next month they're all going to be really bright pink. And so uh, get ready. Things are going to be changing in that world. And when you prune things, you know, you kind of, we work in, in another dimension. You're working not only in height and breadth and depth, but you're also working in time. You're working in the fourth dimension. And that's really a, a pleasure when you get to do that. Well, plants really benefit from being pruned. And, you know, when people get too busy with their lives and move on you know and all of a sudden it's 25 years later and they have this gigantic plant or tree or shrub or whatever it is and it hasn't been pruned in all that time uh it's really harsh to go in and prune it then but if you prune it all, all every couple of years all along the time then you're able to manage it and not have anything that ends up looking depressing and there's there's uh, a couple of aspects here one is keeping the young growth vigorous and always coming on with the flowers and color that you like and that's mostly on the young growth and on most plants so you want to keep it keep that young growth coming on the in the scale that you can appreciate it so don't let it get out of sight don't have it be the lilacs that are are 18 and 20 feet tall and all the flowers are on top of them you can't get to them <laughs> you know you want to have it, it be kept at a size that you can reach and appreciate but there's also the aspect of training a plant 
You right. know, when you look at, at a uh, particularly something like a, a maple tree or an apple tree or something that's going to be pretty good sized, when it's quite young and you get it, it's only beginning to show its shape. And you can manage that and train the branches to be the way you want them so that there's you're not going to hit your head on them when you mow the grass and so that they, they grow in the direction you want. And say you want to use it as a, a screen so you can train it to go more sideways than front and back. Then when, you, when the branches are young, you can shape them and bend them into places. And then as they get older and the wood gets harder, it'll keep that shape. And there's really a, a tremendous amount of management that can be done when a plant's young in order to have it be, have it give its greatest potential. Absolutely. Boy, and you should put our phone number out again in case anybody wants to call in and contribute to this oh, conversation. Oh, 907-586-1800. If you prune things or want to talk about pruning things or have things you want to have questions about, don't hesitate to ask. So... All the harvest pictures on Facebook have Aren't been just amazing. Something? And Nancy Norton's incredible apples. Does that look great? Bags and bags of apples. Holy uh-huh. moly. And who Way to go, thought? Nancy. Go, yeah, good job, Nan. And I'm sure that, that uh, you don't do it all by yourself. So uh, now that you got all his grandchildren working for you, I'm sure that makes a big difference. Well, at least they're eating the apples. Yeah, that's right. Eating the (laughs) apples today, too. So uh, we're also going to talk about pruning raspberries. And I know that that now the raspberries are ripe right now, and people are picking and eating them. And we get a lot of questions about how to manage them and and where to prune them and how often and what to do with them. I really think raspberries need a type of trellis system. Well, there's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of ways to do it. And not not necessarily a trellis that goes up and down, but one that goes side to side. So that as you're taking out the older canes, the new canes have something to support themselves. Absolutely. There are there are lots of forms. The simplest one is the one you describe, with a cross at either end of the row and wires running from the ends of the cross all the way the length. And that keeps the berry bushes upright, keeps them from falling over to the ground. Didn't we build boxes for cake that That's had trellises we in, exactly. in them? Exactly, we did that. Uh, for the cake great. elder housing. Mm-hmm. And all that was, was uh, done in cooperation with their own organization and uh, planted up. I wonder what it looks like. If there's someone in cake that can send me a photo, I'd sure love that. I'd like to know what those gardens look like now. I just know the bear visits them. Oh yes, of course <laughs> the bear visits them. But talking about things that have berries on them, this time of year, the gooseberries, the currants, and the so we have hinomaki gooseberries, right? I think we have a couple hinomaki. Yes, the and red are, upright ones. Uh huh, red upright ones, and and then the other one. What's the standard green gooseberry? Oh, Pixwell. Pixwell. Well, there are a lot of different ones, you know, but uh, Pixwell is one of the old standards. There's so many, many varieties, but now we've had those plants for you know four or five years. They're really producing berries. They really are. And putting them on the little trellises makes them look so attractive. They're nice things. And mm-hmm. you know, when the, when the little families come and walk through the nursery, the children always spy those gooseberries. <laughs> you know, the fact that they're turning red and they're kind of pink and gold at the same time. Right. Little kids, just their eagle eye sees that thing and their little quick little fingers dart out and they're holding on to that thing. It's like a little, kind of like a, 
poached egg texture. You know, you can kind of squeeze it. It gives way a little bit, but there's firm inside. And, you know, it's, of course, soap. I love it when kids come to the nursery. Yeah, I love it, too. I remember my parents taking me to nurseries when I was oh so small. Oh, boy, my parents never took me to a nursery. I don't... I guess there, there must have been nurseries. In Portland, Oregon? I bet there are. My mother did business directly with the farms. She she didn't go to nurseries. She went to farmers. She had a gardener. The gardener went to the nursery. She and my dad did the garden. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, they bought a house that had a big established garden, but they, they maintained it and took care of it. You know, so... It's interesting, isn't it? Uh-huh. All that stuff. You learn that as a small child, it becomes part of your regular life. You never learn it. It becomes a mystery forever. Right. It's kind of like when you see somebody who has grown up around power equipment, for instance. You know, It's an automatic thing. They know how to operate it by then. They know how to, how to be safe around it. I remember the Cheeseman boys at four and five years old driving those loaders. <laughs> Golly, that was something else. Okay, so uh, this is the time of year that you're going to reach out to Margaret and say, I want to have a landscape design for next year. Because we can't do anything during the summertime. We're way, way too busy installing and managing the landscapes that we take care of. Surviving. But, but by this time of year, we're starting to look ahead toward the following season. We're making appointments to look at properties and talk about designs and talk about projects that would come the following season. So I went to a consultation yesterday uh, from one of the, a couple of the families that were suffered the damage from the river, and that was a real eye opener. Yeah, Boy, they're in a bad spot. Yeah, it's a world a, of hurt. A world of hurt. And, uh, and I'm working on it. And I'm thinking about the hardest thing is about the money. You know, you have to manage that kind of repair in as affordable way as possible and yet still get what you want. And you have to do it right now, too. Good morning, Conversations. Is there someone there? Uh, Yes, I'm here. Um, What I wanted to say is um, what my parents did, they went to farms, too, but the only time they went to a nursery is to buy a Christmas tree that was in a bowl, and then uh, what they would do, they would put it in our yard on our property and and that's how we did it that sounds great and so where did you grow up i grew up in elizabethport new jersey that sounds beautiful oh yeah yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of yeah. things growing in new jersey and it's so pretty yeah. but they don't they don't have the farms now no they took the farm they took out the fishing community in Elizabethport and they built a big uh, outlet mall. Right. Well, you know, it's happening everywhere in the world. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for calling calling. in. Uh And I, I too, had uh, trees, Christmas trees, bought and and, uh, planted in my yard when I was a boy and really enjoyed it. In California, you could have as many kinds of conifers that you could imagine. We'd have California redwoods and uh, pinyon pines and and uh, all kinds of spruce trees and Douglas fir and you know and, and my parents were kind of fanatics about it. I'm uh-huh. sure that, that You think? I think. Oh yes. 
There was no mean, doubt about it. You didn't just grow up with all this knowledge all on your own? No. no. My father was a fruit tree collector. If he could have it, if he could make it grow, he wanted one. And if he could get one, he'd want to have five. You know, and graft them into them. I thought that was a, a great thing. Okay, so what's happening this time of year is that the plants are, are hardening off for getting ready getting to ready. go dor- uh-huh. dormant they made their big spurt of growth in the springtime and it was really juicy and the leaves were really big and now those stems that grew during the summertime are the wood is getting hard on them firming up and and uh if you are the kind of person that wants to take cuttings off of your landscape and grow new plants the clue is when the new growth is hard enough that it breaks when you bend it rather than just bend. That means it's old enough to now to get roots on it. So if that's the kind of thing you like, and you can talk to me about it on the privacy, you know, build yourself a little propagation bed in your yard with sand and peat and uh, grow 50 or 75 of whatever you've got in your yard and make more of them. There you go. It's always fun to make more. And uh, we're going to do a little bit one more feeding for the things that really need it. Uh, probably a liquid feed for them because we don't want it to persist very long. So things that have... As, so you fertilized your yard last month. And you look around at it today and everything looks green and vibrant except for maybe two things that you might have missed. And so they would be the ones you would look at and give them one last shot before we quit. And in our case, I think it's going to be the honeyberries. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I just feel like they missed out on fertilizer. Just those two that we have that are turning yellow, I think, uh, got missed when we fertilized everything else. You know, when you have hundreds of plants, things do tend to get missed once in a while. <laughs> That's certainly true. And the landscape and nursery business uh, runs from August to August. So this time of year, the people that are the growers in the in the cultivating areas in the nursery states have a pretty good idea of how many of what they're going to have available and they're ready to start assigning value and and taking orders so we're ordering now and among the things that we're looking at are the the spectacular rhododendrons that are the deep deep purple edith bosley and the creamy yellow capistrano right but we can only get a few of those as much as we love them uh, they're in big demand. They're in big demand, and nobody grows them in large quantities. So we have to be able to speak early. And if someone in Juno wants to be part of this and have some, you got to talk to me right away so that I can put your name on a few of them. The, Capist- might- the, the Capistrano is incredibly beautiful. It is, and there are a bunch of them around town. Well, you thanks, know? thanks to us. Yes, we've been selling <laughs> them for 15 years. You know, and they're, uh, they're one of the few nationwide one of the few kinds of rhododendrons that are going to be able to have a creamy yellow flower rather than the more common pink pink or red or red or right. white uh-huh. but the the plant looks lovely and even the foliage looks creamy yellow too it's nice and uh, the edith bosley is incredibly deep purple it's not lavender it's a dark purple. No, it's order. a dark, dark purple. Uh-huh. And when it comes into bloom, I mean, people stop and stare at it, you know. But by then, by the time they come into bloom, most of the people that ordered them have already got them, and they're well, no longer you, in their Well, when you have those really exotic rhododendrons or any kind of plant, roses or whatever that's different than what it, you normally have, you really need to do companion planting with them to bring the color forward and to enhance what is happening when it's in bloom. Another call. 
Good morning, Conversations. Yeah, hey, I have a question. You know, on Fifth Street in Douglas, down right near the end where the cul-de-sac is, there's this tree that's the most beautiful tree. Do you know which one I mean? It's where that really steep street comes up and meets Fifth Street. I know, I know the street you're talking about. And is it on the hill or at the base of the hill? No, it's it's on Fifth Street. On Fifth Street, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, just past the last street that goes up. What is the name of that street? If Listen, I, street. I'm going there today. Call us again next week, and I'll be able to answer it for you. Yeah, it's really uh, just uh, it just glitters. Okay. You know, and even in the fall, it just glitters, you know. Is it a anyway. maple kind of tree or a conifer kind of tree? You mean, is it a leaf tree? Yeah, it's a leaf tree. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it's not a conifer, and it's... Uh, its leaves are just small, yellowish kind of... And you'll see it. It's it's just really an awesome... I've only seen that one tree like that in, in town. It every might time be, I drive by it... It might be a type of silver maple. Or a catsura. Or a catsura. Uh, sure. Uh, Margo, check it out today and take a picture of it. And uh, you can call us up tomorrow. We'll tell you. Yeah, it's that last street that's really, really steep. You know, right at the yep, end of yep. Fifth Street. Yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm going up there to Fifth yeah. Street today and right across the street there at fifth street that house that has the the big gray goose mailbox that's in in perpetual bloom boy that's something Mm. else yeah okay thanks for the call man soon bye okay so uh and we like that you know people look at stuff and they say boy i would like i like that and so rarely does people know the name of it, but you know, once they can identify where it is and we can look at it and say, oh yes, here it is. It's a, a service berry, or it's a, a flowering crab apple, or it's a, a what, catsura. Or a catsura tree, you know? Like the catsuras that are growing around the GCI building. Aren't those getting groovy? Yeah. Boy, and they change such a beautiful color too in the autumn. Looking around town at the, at different stuff at different times of the year, I can't help but pull over, get my camera out, and take some photos of it. Because, you know, even a street that I've driven down a hundred times, suddenly, one day, something is in bloom that I never noticed before, and it's just spectacular. There's got to get a picture of it and got to talk about it. I want to give a shout-out to Tyler Rental and Tyler Hardware equipment company because I use so many of your still uh, tools this week I think I almost wore them out and, you know, and I have at least two of everything and it's nice to have the batteries that you can move back and forth from tool it's to tool great. I have one bag for the batteries that I've used and one that have, for the batteries that are still charged and ready to go yep you gotta have that because you know the, the change from having power tools in your hand with a little battery on it quiet Zzz. It's well, so different than having a gas-powered motor. Well, there's that, but there's also the uh, doing everything by hand, you know, using your tools, your loppers, your pruners, and stuff like that. When you're working as much as I am, anything you can do to save that constant motion in your hand by using a power equipment, really, zip, zip, it's all done. <laughs> and I, I really like it that the more modern... Inter, uh, more modern developed tools you know iterations more modern iterations of the tool they're gone they have gone to using the same battery that you can switch between them all the way right and even the 
the stand-up tools like weed eaters and brush cutters and uh, power brooms are now coming in electric and battery-powered. Go to Tyler Rental and look at their stuff. It's really, really sleek and useful. I like it, too, a lot. And that my little car, which I drive around in a little old Subaru, is absolutely packed. Up still to the tools. roof with still tools <laughs> and right. and uh, hand tools and pruners and rakes and shovels and. And they've also got all that safety equipment. You know, they got nice gloves. They got good eye protection. They got hearing protection. Absolutely, and you need it when you were out there doing it all the time. And sometimes you don't even realize what kind of a an opportunity there has. You go in and look around at what they have for sale, and you realize, oh, now there's a tool that does exactly the job I want and I never knew it existed. Well, your birthday's coming up. Maybe I'll have to drop by. I always like stuff from Still, <laughs> from Still and Tyler for my birthday. <laughs> That's That'll right. That'll be great. You know, and you're right. My birthday is coming up. That's right. Oh, and by the way, Connor, if you're listening, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Con. Yes. Thrilled. Okay, so it's fall. It's harvest time. Nancy's apples were great. There's also all those berries in the wild world. There's still another iteration of them. We coming. still have lots of berries and blueberries. Mm. We have so many different kinds at our house. And those black huckleberries, aren't those something mm-hmm. else? Boy, I like that flavor. So also, if you're thinking about uh, the berries, the wild berries around your yard, you know, they benefit from fertilizing too. Not much. Not much fertilizer. It's nice to use a liquid feed on them. Something that's that's going to give some nitrogen to it, give some phosphorus to it, you know, but uh, not a whole lot because they they have all that microrhizobial association and they're getting nutrient from the ground. They don't need a whole lot, but a little bit makes a world of difference. So uh, landscape design, nursery stock ordering, uh, go out and look at your wild world. Make sure that if you have some kind of invasive species coming in your yard that you address it before you let winter come. If you've got things you've got to dig up or take care of, one of the things we've done just this, this last week is Let's take a section... Dig up the polygonum. That's right, a, texture, a section of polygonum in one of the downtown yards we're working on. And we cut it back, we dug it out, and we laid the black plastic and the landscape fabric on top of that and covered it up then with a gravel coat. Now, when I worked at the university and did that, it took five years to kill that stuff off like that. But it did. We didn't have to spray an herbicide on it. We were able to, to suppress it and starve it out. And that's really a, a, a smart way to move. And if you have any questions about that, don't hesitate to talk to me. Right. And the manual removal of weeds and things that are invasive is really beneficial to the environment rather than spraying it with some kind of poison and killing it because often my experience seeing that is it kills the top but it doesn't always get all the way down and it comes back anyway I gotcha Uh, the Japanese yews are beginning to sprout again they're making their second growth on them and the tips those gold tips on the dark green look so pretty they are pretty absolutely beautiful well we're coming to the end of our program this week thanks for those of you who called in and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week and uh, don't hesitate to come to Landscape Alaska or contact us through the web look at our website with its online catalog so people can buy stuff from all over southeast and we'll send it to you and until then 
This is Margaret Tharp and David Lundrum from Landscape Alaska. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.